Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Wednesday morning. Glad you're joining us, however you're joining us, be it at supertalk.fm or anywhere you can find a podcast these days, and there are certainly plenty of places of those. Thank all of our loyal listeners, especially our great servicemen and women out there protecting our freedom. I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. You know, the, the weather's messing with Strange Brew. It's nice outside. What's going on? It's June 11th. It should be so hot that you can't breathe. And it's like breezy it's like, cool. Yeah, like 78 or 80 and breezy. It's spring-like. Like, I don't know what the The hippies happening. got something right. <laughs> Climate change. Global cooling. Strangeness. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, it's nice outside though, but that means you know that means you don't means you don't need the ice cream. You just want the ice cream. Well, it means that your options are open. Yeah, you, you can, can get ice you cream. Can get you can get coffee. Regular whatever coffee you drink. want. You yeah, know, you got either yeah. side of the building open to you. Good now. call. Good call. Also, yeah, I'd like oh, yeah. to mention our uh, our friends over our, at Almond Printing. Our friends at Almond Printing, who are the sponsor of the road to Joel Maha, Nebraska. That's right. Which will begin for Brian and I on Thursday morning. We will uh, and Robbie. Yeah, and Robbie. We'll begin to uh, trek northward up to the great state of Nebraska. To the Midwest. To the great Midwest and the great city of Joel Maha. That's right. And we will be uh, sporting our lovely t-shirts, which will be presented to us by Almond Printing. Today. Today, right? Yeah, yeah. He said, he said he'd get it to us today. And... Uh, I tell you what, man, I'm pretty pumped to have. Do we have to go to Aberdeen? What are we doing? No, I, I don't think so. I think he, he does a lot of business in Starkville. He, so he says, and, and we're going to get these things on Wednesday, which is today. And uh, quick turnaround there. You know, we just mentioned that the other day casually, and a day later, poof, there it is. You know, kind of like which tag, makes you think, kind of like all, tag team Ooh, for for, for Almond for Almond Brothers or Almond Almond Brothers Almond, Brothers. <laughs> Almond Printing. What could they do for you if they That's can right. get this done for us this quickly with no? prep whatsoever what could they do for you in your well-thought ideas so give them a call give them a call over in aberdeen give them your business bulldogs helping bulldogs all right here what we got today uh we got a little football to talk about a little uh some some new additions we'll talk about that in the second half of the show but here's mississippi state baseball talk to uh, coach lamona some players on tuesday uh seem to be a pretty confident loose group nothing nothing new there i continue to talk about and and this is the thing i keep coming back to that all year long it's Play our brand of baseball. Play our brand of baseball. So here they are. They're fifty-one and thirteen, back in Omaha for the second straight year, among the favorites to win the national title. I tweeted the betting odds. They're just a, a shade under Vanderbilt and Arkansas. I think I honestly think if, if you switch state and Arkansas's bracket, state would be the odds-on favorite. I think Arkansas is the favorite because people know they're probably going to get to the final, and then it's just winning. They have to win the series. Um. I think that Isaiah Campbell start whenever that is, if it's game one or if it's the second game for them. I think that's a big, big game for them. They got to win his start. Yeah, which they'll, they'll probably pitch him game one. Against, but it's the same way, I guess. They're playing everybody. Florida State. Same yeah. way with State and Ethan Small. Exactly. Anyway, so it, it got me to thinking though, with this team and and all they've been through this year, and, and you know coming back to Omaha, and you know we keep saying this is the best team they've had since '85. Blah blah blah. Is it national championship or bust? Is this season a failure without the national championship? I think if State does not get the job done in the great city of Joel Maha, Nebraska, that it will always kind of be looked at a little bit as a missed opportunity, yes. You know, I don't know that if in the future if anybody will look back and say, oh, you know, that 
that 2019 season when we won, you know, 52, 53, 54, whatever they finished with win, win-wise, when we won 50-something games, I, I, that was a complete disaster. You know, I, I don't know that that'll be the case. You get to Omaha, there's a level of of achievement there because I don't know of any other sport. I don't know. In, in basketball, it's a little bit like that. You make the Final Four, that kind of goes down forever in history. Baseball's kind of, if you make the Final Eight, you kind of go down forever in history a little bit, but... You know, so I don't know that it will go down as a, I don't know if failure is the word necessarily, but I do think that it will forever be looked at by state fans as a missed opportunity. Just like, truthfully, I look at 2016 as a humongous missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can call that season a failure. They won the SEC regular season championship, made a super regional. You know, I, I, it's tough to label that as a failure, but I think you can absolutely look back at seasons like 16 and like I think this one would be if you don't win it all and say you don't get many of those chances. You don't get many of those chances to get to Omaha and finish the job and have a team that you really believe, look, this may be the best team in the country. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I mean, Vandy can make a case for that too. Right. Arkansas can make a case for that too. I'm not, I'm not declaring that they are, but you could make the case that this is the best team in the country. And even in other years, you know, 13, for instance, when State went to Omaha. Last year when State went to Omaha. 07 when State went to Omaha. State didn't have the best team in the country. They right. just needed to upset some teams to, you know, if they wanted to win it all. You might have the best team in the country. You don't have that very often. And so, yes, I, I think that if you do not win in Omaha, is it Omaha or bust? You know, national championship or bust? I don't know if it's bust, but it's definitely national championship or you'll look back shaking your head saying that was that was a team that could have got it done. Is that fair? Is it fair? I mean... Because, I mean, you, you look at the bracket. You're running into a really hot yeah. and sort of an emotionally charged Auburn team. A Vandy team that might be the best in the country. What McDonald at Louisville, more as much tournament experience as anybody. And then on you know, the other side of the bracket, if you get if, even if you get to the final, you're probably playing a team that swept you. I mean, truthfully, it's probably never fair. Yeah. Because I mean, you have how many, how many college baseball teams are in the running when the season starts? You know, how many D one college baseball teams could make it to Omaha? Yeah, probably. It's more I mean, than it's football all, or basketball. Probably. Yeah, it's yeah. a, I don't know, crap ton of teams. Yeah. So, if you're, and if, you, if you, you think ma- about that, and then you're like, was Michigan one of those teams? No, no, no. So I mean. When you factor in upsets and just the craziness of baseball seasons, I don't know if it's ever fair to sit there and look at a team and say, oh, they made it to Omaha, but they didn't win at all. You know, what a shame. I don't know that it's ever fair. I mean, when you get to this point, that is a tremendous accomplishment. I don't care if you're Vandy, Mississippi State, Michigan, Coastal Carolina. You know, if you're, I don't care who you are. If you get to this point, it's a major accomplishment but i think mississippi state we talked yesterday about getting in the club you know winning the national championship and and kind of erasing all those near misses kind of thing uh i think state has been enough to this point i mean this is trip number 11 you know this is back-to-back years this has been been a whole lot of times where uh you know whether it's 85 or whether it's uh, a few years ago against ucla or whether it's last year been so many times where state's been the bridesmaid never the bride and uh i I just is it fair no but at some point i just think you kind of start running into that and florida state's in the same boat a little bit 
like the Buffalo Bills of college football a little bit there with, you know, getting to the Super Bowl every year and losing it every year kind of thing. Yeah. Like they're, they're, at a certain point, it is a tremendous kick in the pants to just keep getting there and keep coming up second fiddle. You know, I just, no, I don't, I don't think it is fair, but at some point you just need to go get the job done and win a national title and, and, and hang the banner like we were saying yesterday. Yeah. Find somewhere to put it in. And, and no, I don't think the season will ever be looked at as a failure. You just can't look at it that way. But it will dang sure, going back, I'm in circles now, it'll hurt awful bad. You know, we did a few, uh, when we had the regional, we had some uh, some what ifs. What are some what ifs for you as far as this this, this College World Series goes? What's, so what's the what's a couple questions that state's got to answer with yeses? Is JT Gens health number one? Yeah, I think so because, I mean, if it's not, you know, you had the luxury in the super of you may not need him anyway because you might can win in two. Right. Well, that's over. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to win the national championship, you're going to need a third starter. Uh, and so if JT, something's off with him, and, and look, Chris Lamona said today that he's good to go. Um, he was out there throwing. We saw him throwing the ball. Arm was still attached. I think that he's going to play in Omaha. You know, I think he's going to be a starting pitcher in Omaha. What you, I guess, then have to ask yourself is, what if you run in that scenario where two or three innings in, that pressure, that environment, he's dealt with arm soreness already. What if that kind of starts to return a little bit? And then you have to run uh, Brandon Smith or somebody out there in the second or third inning in a game in Omaha. Uh, I, I don't. That, that to me, is probably the biggest question, just because it's kind of been a question the last, what, couple of weeks now. So I think that kind of remains a lingering issue out there. Uh, beyond that, I, you know, a, a major what if, I keep, I keep coming back to, to this, but states relied on it so much all year long. Like, what if Ethan Small finally has that bad one and you lose that first game to Auburn on Sunday night? You're in a world of hurt. Yeah. At that point, I don't care how good you are, you know you, you you then have to battle your way back through a loser's bracket and win four straight games, two of which will probably be back to back games against Vandy. That's not a very good recipe for success. Um, so I, I think immediately off the bat, the two things that come to mind is what if JT's not one hundred percent, and what if Ethan Small, uncharacteristically, he hadn't given up more than three runs in a single start all year long. What if he uncharacteristically sort of, you know, unfolds there on the mound in Omaha on Sunday night? I don't think that'll happen. But if you have to deal with something like that, you're in a bad spot. I mean, does anything stand out to you? Beyond Ginn, I mean, I asked Lamonis today if he thought that 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 home run would get McNamee locked back in. Because if you're going to have him in the heart of the lineup there in the the cleanup spot, you need need him to be hitting. Uh, So, you know, is McNamee going to, you know, Get all come off the momentum of that moment into uh, into a you know another hot streak that would be big for Mississippi State. And the only other thing for me is Marshall Gilbert. Past few weeks has had some error issues, some defensive issues. Got to got to clean that up. I mean, because yeah. you're going to reach a point where giving teams extra outs is going to hurt you. Yeah, didn't, it you, didn't in, in the super regional, but it, it can. If you're playing a Vandy or a Louisville or heck even an Auburn. Um, <laughs> You don't want to be giving them four and five outs in an inning. Uh, you're right. I mean, defense this time of year, it's critical all year long. But, 
in the course of a long baseball season, one error, even if it costs you one game, it's one game in a 56-game schedule. It's College World Series. That error may be the difference between you winning a national championship and going to the house. So you're, you're right. I think that, that, bears, that bears watching. Gilbert, I tell you what, I know he had some, some bad moments in the Super with three errors and one went right through his legs and things like that. He He's had some... He's made some really good plays over there too, though. He's kind of a baffling, oh yeah, yeah, kind of a baffling case. Of, well, he's, he's made some tough not, plays and hadn't and, and he hadn't made some routine ones. What it means is he's a good athlete and a good baseball player, but he well, he had never played third. He's having to learn it on the fly. Yeah. You know, my guess is if he had come up playing third, he'd be a really solid defensive third baseman because you've seen what he can do. Yeah. It's just, they're just, you know. And his arm kind of makes up for some of his. Yeah. If, you look at if the he plays makes a mistake. You look at the plays he's, he missed in the, over the super regional. Very routine. You know, he's made some some spectacular plays, but these are just balls getting under the wickets and stuff. That's, yeah. You know, so I mean, I think that, that's easy to clean up. I think he'll he'll be he'll be better. But that's something to me that you, you, in in Omaha with the teams you're playing, the caliber teams you're playing, extra outs will not will not work. Yeah, get rid of that. But other than that, that's the thing that you know, if you're a state fan and you you want to be be concerned, the fact that there's not a lot of questions is is sort of a concern. You're like, where's the weak spot? This team should win. They should win. But are they going to win? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, I think state fans should enjoy that, though. You're taking a team to Nebraska to play on college baseball's biggest stage, and you and I are having to sit here on a podcast and search for things to talk about that could go wrong but probably won't. Right. Like, that's a really good spot to be in. That means you have a really good baseball team that's got a really good chance to win the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're never going to be guaranteed to win this deal. I don't care how good you are. I mean, there, there was that what Vandy team a few years ago that was spectacular, just mowed through the SEC. They didn't even make it to Omaha. So in baseball, we everybody that's ever watched it and that you know keeps up with the sport in any way knows that anything could happen. But you're taking one of the best teams in school history. You might can make an argument the best team in school history. You know, I, I don't. I wouldn't. I guess I was alive to, for the '85 team, but. I literally was, I guess, a week or two old whenever that College World Series took place in '85. You know, I remember nothing about it other than you know what I've been told, seeing some, you know, some highlights on SEC Network's Thunder and Lightning deal, and you know, yeah, yeah, only wasn't real Thunder and Lightning. But, what? Uh, <laughs> you know, but I wasn't around for that. So, but you can make a case that this is the greatest team in school history that they're taking to Omaha. Enjoy it, soak it up. Go up there and, you know, sell all the prosthetic legs that you got to to get there and double wides or whatever, uh, you know, you know, put your house up for sale. Put your, you know, if you got more than one kid, sell the second. Whatever you got to do to get to Omaha and just go enjoy it because your team has a chance to win the whole thing. Yeah. And and don't worry, you know, just, just soak it in because it's not very often – that A, that you make it to the College World Series, that's a tough thing to do, and B, that you get to the College World Series with possibly the best team there. Yeah. I mean, so could things go wrong? Sure. But you and I are having to search for things that might go wrong, and there's a lot that might go right. And if it goes right, then here in two weeks, you and I are doing a national championship edition of Thunder Light. Yes, that could, that could very well happen. We'll have to talk about that uh, this later uh, when, when things settle down. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up on our schedule, by the way, uh, we'll have a podcast tomorrow. Then on f- Friday, we would normally record on Thursday, but that will be our travel day. We'll be heading up to Omaha on that day. So there will be no Friday podcast. But because State doesn't play until Sunday, 
We will take time either on Friday or Saturday to do a preview of the uh, MSU Auburn game and so on and so forth. And uh, we'll put that together for you. So you will have an you will have five podcasts this week. There just will not leave you one on Friday morning. Do not and also follow along because I mean I don't, I'm not advertising anything. Don't know what we'll do. We may have some shenanigans on the way up. To oh, there will be shenanigans. So, so that's yeah. going to happen. So. so make sure you're following along with Joel T. Coleman and uh, Brian Haydad on the on the Twitters and, and on the Periscope and, and Robbie Falk and Robbie Falk. Yeah. Robbie was like, "I'm going along with you." I was like, "Yeah, you'll be in all the stuff we do, but I can't I can't advertise you because you don't." You, we don't have the connection, you know. So, well, if we gave him a name, you're Thunder. Mm-hmm. I'm Lightning. Mm-hmm. What's he? Uh, he's the gray clouds of, of <laughs> that, that precede <laughs> everything. That is absolutely, completely accurate. Yeah. All right. Uh, some football news. All right, so as we're recording this, the bell has rung again. We have one commitment that is public. We have one commitment that is not as of yet. I'm going to talk about the first guy. <laughs> if the second guy comes through, we'll talk about him. Otherwise, uh, future Brian may have to take a, uh, a moment with us. But uh, the name is Sebastian Dolson. 6'5", 295-pounder out of Kapaya Lincoln Community College, transferred in from Kentucky. So another one of these players for Mississippi State that uh, has uh, played previously at a Power 5 school, made a jump, or not a jump, but dropped down to a junior college, and uh, is headed to Mississippi State after that. 17 commitments now for the Bulldogs. Let me ask you this. Uh, you look at this. You look at this list. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven. Seven of your 17 commitments are junior college guys. You know that you'll take Malik Heath if you get him. So there's eight. Um, possibly up to nine, maybe ten Juco guys in a class of 21, 22, 23 guys. Too many? It, it kind of jumps off the page. But <laughs> yeah. Just for, just for the record, in, in 16, or the 17 class, 21 signees, nine Juco's. And you think about Sweat. Cole, Abram, Landrews, Rivers, those guys. A lot of guys that made it. Tommy Champion, Tyree Phillips, guys who will make impact this year. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the guys. They seem to have all hit. Yeah. Which is a good thing when you're recruiting JUCOs because I think more than anything else, when you miss on JUCOs, it really sets you back because you're expecting those guys to come in immediately. You know, a lot of times those JUCOs don't. You know, they don't contribute. To I mean, look at like Martinez Rankin. You remember yeah. he came in so highly regarded and he yeah. didn't do jack. Well, they redshirted him. Year. Yeah. I think if, I think that's a good thing though. If you're not if they're not going to be big time players for you, redshirt them and see what see what you can get in another year. Or if you got, I mean, it gives you an opportunity to process them. Just throwing them out there and let them and they drown. That's not good. But it, it does seem like a lot of JUCOs. Is that a statement on Mullen? Because I mean, you think what Patterson, Butts, uh, Ducking. You've got three JUCO receivers already, and you would take, like I said, you will take Malik Keith if you can get him. Yeah. Four JUCO wide receivers. I mean, it has to be on, uh, an indictment on him on some level, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's because I mean, look, why do you get a JUCO player? Because you have a, have a, a deficiency need. there, and you have an immediate need, right? And whose job would it have been to fill that need a couple years ago? Guys that you would now be counting on that have been Mullen. So yeah, I, I think that to some extent, yeah, that's a little bit on him for sure. I will say this for the, for this class, and you know. These a lot of these guys. I mean, this is a very 
Very Mississippi State class. You got some underrated guys, under the radar, not a ton of offers, but you're going out and you're getting wide receivers, which you have had trouble getting in the past. You're getting offensive linemen, which you have had trouble getting in the past. You know, Calvin McMillan is a guy I really like out of Houston. You got the kid who came in today, Dolson. Um, you know, you, you're just you, you feel like you're you're doing a better job of filling needs, and filling needs to me is sometimes a uh, a a fan speak kind of thing. For we missed out on good players, so we filled our needs. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's great if you need offensive linemen and you sign a bunch, but if they can't play, you didn't really do anything. So we don't know if these guys can play or not, obviously, but. At least on, on the on the surface, it looks like hey, you know, linemen and receivers have been so hard to come by for Mississippi State in the past, and now at least they're getting commitments from guys. Yeah, I mean, the more you put in, you know, <laughs> the the more the more chance one hits, right? You so, would think. Uh, I mean, it's it's just the just the old numbers game, I guess. But uh, I mean, state from an offensive line standpoint, I, you know, I, I feel like state's okay there. Really, I mean, would you agree with that? Like going forward in the next year? Uh, yeah, I guess going it kind of gets squirrely there, doesn't it? Well, you look at next year. It's just off the top of my head now. You still have Reese and Island. Yeah. Uh, at that point, you expect Travis Johnson to be in the in the, in the mix. Dollar bill. You got to expect Charles Cross. Charles Cross is a five star kid. You got to expect him by his second year to be a at least a starter. Maybe not, maybe not a starter, but at least a big time contributor. But probably a starter. You know, who's your center next year? That's what you got to sort of worry about, I guess. Right now, I mean, my guess is the other thing is there's still Cordavian Suggs. So you got a lot of tackles. I don't know how you are in the middle. You know, Dorian yeah. Parker is Dorian Parker a guy that you could move to center. I don't know. Um, Michael Story is he a senior this year? You're asking questions that uh, I should know the answer to, and immediately I don't. You, why don't you know these things? If only we had a device. Yeah. See here, story and and we all story is a senior. So yeah, look at this here. Here's the looking at the 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 O line here. I mean, yeah, you need some interior alignment. It's funny. I mean, State has had such problems in the past getting tackles, and now they have Suggs, Cross, and and uh, and Johnson. So you know, maybe this guy coming in, this Dolcine guy, could be a you know. He's listed at 6'5 and 295, so I don't know if that's a, a good interior guy or not. But, you know, possibly there. That's what they got to figure out is the interior of the offensive line next year. Here's one thing I do know. You can never have too many of them. No. You can never have too many quality offensive linemen. You know, you, you, you'll sacrifice at other positions. You can't sacrifice there. Offensive linemen a little bit like pitching in baseball. You can't. There's, there's, <laughs> just, no, there's just never enough. There's never enough. So, doesn't look like Joe's going to help us out here. Let me see. One line up. We're going to have to go. So, that being said, we will get our second commitment of the day covered through the eyes of our one and only correspondent here on Thunder and Lightning, Future Brian. Guys, this is Future Brian reporting to you from the future. If you could only have held out another, you know, 20, 30 minutes, my services would not have been required. But the new commitment that was mentioned on the show, Grant Jackson, 6'6", 304 pounds out of West Lincoln High School down there. In, uh, near Brookhaven, pretty solid offer list for him as well. Mississippi State, Florida State, Memphis, Missouri, uh, USM. One thing to like about this commit and, and what's going on with MSU's recruiting class, think about MSU in the past and the way they've recruited offensive linemen. 
They have always had to scramble at the last minute to get their guys. The last two classes, that has not been the case. They've been able to lock in on some offensive linemen pretty early in the process and get the guys they wanted. Now, obviously, last year they did lose out on, oh, I cannot remember his name. What was his name? He, went to, he ended up going to Florida. Darius Washington ended up going to Florida State. But for the most part, they've been able to lock in the guys they've wanted under Moorhead. And that is a big improvement from years past when you know there have been planned C, D, E, F guys getting offered in the weeks coming up until signing day. So two offensive linemen in the boat to go with Calvin McMillan already, Calvin McMillan already committed out of Houston High School. You know, they signed, what, six offensive linemen a season ago. So you can't imagine they're going to sign more than maybe maybe one more this year. But 10 every two years, that is a really, really good ratio. I don't know about Dolson and will they, will they redshirt him or not. You know, they've had some success with that. It really panned out for Martinez Rankin. It looks like it's going to do that for Tyree Phillips. Tommy Champion, you know, hasn't hasn't turned into a starter, but I think he'll be one of the key contributors this year, a guy that, you know, is a depth guy and is one of those, you know, swing guys who can go out to tackle or play in the in the middle if you need him to. But it's good to see MSU getting offensive linemen early in the process. This class now is at 18 commitments, and if you listen to what Paul Jones and Steve Robertson say on 24/7, they don't expect this class much more than 2022 commitments. So and they're saying that this is this week's not over with yet. This class literally could be wrapped up pretty soon. Now that said, there are going to be guys that you'll find a way to make room for at the end. You know, four or five star guys that if they they happen to commit to Mississippi State, they'll have a spot. That's not an issue. The numbers will always find a way to work themselves out. But it looks like MSU is going to pretty much lock it up before kickoff at the rate this this is going because you know that's been the rumor for the past couple of weeks is that. There's about to be a rash of commitments. I know Janari Dean, one of the top prospects in the state, out of South Panola High School of all places, uh, is rumored to be a private commitment, which I had, you know how I feel about those. But, you know, has already made, you know, is at least leaning heavily towards Mississippi State. They're probably going to get Griffin and Mason, the two receivers from Philadelphia and Clinton, respectively, back in the boat. I don't think they're going to get Alex Adams back in the boat, but at that point, when you get Malik Heath... You've got like six or seven wide receivers committed. You, you know, you, he, he, as good as Adams may very well be, I think at that point it becomes more of a luxury than anything else. So they'll have receivers, they have linemen, quarterbacks in, running back is in. You've got some JUCO defensive linemen because you do have some uh, some gaps there with the way that the recruit Mullen's recruiting. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this today. Uh, he's lost two recruiting battles to Georgia in the last uh, week. Now, I, for one, am not surprised by that, and neither should you be if you followed Dan Mullen's recruiting. Great coach, average recruiter. And, you know, some of his holes in recruiting the last couple of years here are starting to show, and that's why Moorhead is having to go so heavy on the JUCOs and sort of go out of whack. I mean, you normally wouldn't sign six or seven wide receivers, but they just don't have any. Think about it after this season. Gidry, Dedrick Thomas, and Malik Deer are gone. You have, right now, Right now, your starting line, your starting receivers for 2020 would be maybe Devontae Jason, maybe Austin Williams, and Osiris Mitchell. You've got to get some guys in there to do, you know, to give you that some some sort of uh, some sort of balance. You got to have more guys. So, you know, more has just sort of having to do what he has to do. I think that you know this year the JUCOs and the, and the amount of wide receivers just a one year stopgap until you can get need probably another line of high school here in Mississippi. But by and large. I'm not saying, you know, the recruiting hasn't improved in terms of the quality of player they're getting, but in terms of class balance 
and filling needs and, and at least providing yourself a chance to have some depth, that has improved these last two seasons under Joe Moorhead. And that's a positive. This sounds funny because, you know, I've been hard on Moorhead. And it's deserved. It's deserved how, 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 you know, the fact that I've been, you know, hard on him. But that said, bringing in Stevens and Zuber were big wins for him. The recruiting, at least on the surface, looks like it's being held in a more, being done in a more competent manner. It doesn't seem to be as haphazard. It doesn't seem to be as many last-minute offers to guys you're still losing out on. It seems to have a plan to it. And it, it seems to be going in the right direction, so... We'll see if it if it adds up to any more wins, but right now there's some positive momentum behind Mississippi State football, which there wasn't from January until you know, maybe a few weeks ago, maybe until Stevens came in. That was my, that was really the first positive thing to happen, in my opinion, from from January one on was the the commitment of Tommy Stevens, and now you know it looks like things are rolling in the right direction. So we'll see. All right, don't forget we will have a show tomorrow. Uh, we, we will do our opponent preview. Uh, tomorrow as well. I've already talked to Brian Scott Rippey. He will join us to look at the Egg Bowl. It's 12 weeks out. We 12 weeks from today, we'll be getting ready for Mississippi State versus Louisiana down there in the Superdome. And then from there, the season will have started. But so we will get the opponent previews tomorrow with our favorite topic, the Ole Miss Rebels. We all love them. And uh, we'll talk about that and some more preview, obviously, Mississippi State. I guess I need to get somebody from Auburn while I'm in the interviewing mood uh, tomorrow. So we'll figure all that out. And uh, don't forget, no Friday show because Joel and I will be traveling up to Omaha with Robbie. But we will do a weekend show to preview the first game of the College World Series. Guys, have a great uh, Wednesday. Back with you on Thursday morning. For Joel T. Coleman, you just have to picture him wooing there. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.